Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We are in part three of a sermon series we've entitled Promised, Promised. And we've been talking about all of the promises that we can build our life on. People tend to not keep their word, you know, uh, from, and it's not just mom and dad. Sometimes it's the insurance company too. You get into an accident, you'd be like, hello, and they're like, you're not covered. And you'd be like, I thought I paid for the coverage. And you just never know um, if you can count on someone, whether it be a company or a character. But when it comes to God, everything that he says, you can count on. When he says something about your life or what he's going to do in your life, if he makes a promise, he keeps it. It's not like your earthly father or your earthly mother. When he says it, it's going to happen. And so what are some of the promises that we can build our life on? And this week, I want to talk to you about one that a lot of you might have heard about or, or even heard preached before. And I hope to make it in a brand new way, present it today that it can help you. You can actually apply it freshly. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 is where we're reading from. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And he says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The promise of God today that I want you to begin to build your life on is simple. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Now, I have noticed a problem in the natural that I think has spiritual implications that can set up. Before I get to the title of my message that can set up the title of our message in a, in a way that I think you can understand, relate to, and grasp. And the problem is this. The problem is that we all know how to get one of these. It's going to pop up in the screen in a second, I promise. We, we all know how to get one of these. This is a homemade apple pie. Come on. We all know how to get one of those. But we don't know how to make one of these. We all know how to get one of these. Get one of these right here. It's about to show up again. Yeah, the beverage, that's lemonade, by the way. Lemonade. Non-alcoholic. Lemonade right there. Buy it in the grocery store. We all know how to get one of those. Hey, but not many of us know how to make one of these. And, and, and there's a problem with that. And the problem with that is this, that the Bible was written for an agricultural society that had an agricultural economy. So the people who were reading the Bible when it was written from and for were people who understood farming, people who understood sowing, people who understood reaping. But today, we've transitioned from an agricultural economy to a trade economy. And, and so, so and, and that's a, that's a challenge for us, right? Because even now, as I'm talking to you, you're like, I don't even know how to make an apple, Pastor JJ. Because if I want an apple, I'm going to just go buy an apple at Publix or Walmart or wherever. I don't even know how to make a lemon. Because if I want a lemon, I'll just go to the store and buy me a lemon. Because we've gone from agricultural to trade, which is a problem. Listen, because that means herein lies the problem that we know how to shop. But we don't know how to sow. So we become dependent 
on other people's ability to produce the things that we need in our lives. Am I preaching? So like the other day I was with my son and he's got an issue with like his work ethic, like he's got working on him, like he don't like to work. And I just like, listen, I just need to know like what is your plan for how long you plan on living here? <laughs> I know you're 11, but I just want you to know because right now you're living off of what I make. But if you don't know how to sow your own finances, you don't know how to work for your own money, like you ain't going to be staying here. Like I got a plan. So you're going to have to learn how to produce. Let me, let me lean in. You're going to have to learn how to plant your own joy so that you don't have to depend on someone else's smile to make your day. You're going to have to learn how to water your own relationship so that you can stop wishing you had someone else's. And while we're on the note of relationships, you're going to have to learn how to harvest fruit in your own season of singleness. And stop thinking just because you watch all them Hallmark movies come December that you are alone just because you sleep alone. There is fruit in your single season. If you would just know how to pick it and how to get out of it, you got this. You need to learn how to fertilize your own gifts, your own talents, your own skills so that you can find your own calling and your own career. You got to learn how to sow, which is the title of my message today. It's a question. Do you know how to sow? Do you know how to sow? If you don't know what that word means, sowing means putting seed in the ground. Do you know how to farm? Do you know how to produce? Do you know how to harvest? If you're a person who likes the message, just kind of summarize, Cliff Notes version. Here's the Cliff Notes version of my message. I made it real easy for all you note takers out there today. Here's, I want to just say two things. I just want to say two things. But don't leave after I say them because I worked hard on the message. You should stay the whole time. But there's just two things I want to tell you. The first thing is this. Listen, there are things you don't have that you are waiting on someone else to give you that you could have if you knew how to plant it. And here's the second thing. There are things you don't want that you have that you could leave if you stopped planting it. Woo! You ain't ready. It's going to get good today. Today's either going to be a quiet Sunday or an amen Sunday. It's one or the other. Ain't no middle ground today. Uh-uh. Sowing and reaping, let me just say, it's more than a promise. It's a law. It's a universal law. What's the difference, Pastor J.D. Bushina? A law and a promise. Most promises in the Bible depend on you believing in God. Like if you don't believe in them, then the promise don't work. But laws that are in the Bible, laws will work whether you believe in God or not. I know millionaires who are atheists who give percentages of their income to the needy. When I ask them why they do it, they go, I don't know. It's just that every time our company gives away, our company makes more money the next year. And I'm like, that's in the Bible. <laughs> They're like, nah. I'm like, yeah. Someone didn't reap it. It's in there. There are companies. I, I remember, I got to remember, Tom's Shoes. Buy a pair, give a pair. Blew up. Bomba Socks. Shark Tank, shout out. Buy a pair, give a pair. Warby Parker Glasses. Buy a pair, give a pair to one, a person in need who needs glasses. All these companies are doing great. Not because giving away free product is a good business model. Typically, if you want to make money, you sell your product. It's not a good business model. It's good because it's a biblical model. 
And if you build your business or life around biblical models, you will be blessed. And so when we talk about the law, I want to talk about it in two ways. I want to talk about it first in the positive and in the negative because you need to know both. Like if I talk about the law of gravity, that's a law that keeps you from floating out into space. Amen. But more relevant to some of our situations is that because of the law of gravity, you got to be careful where you step. What am I trying to say? This law can build you. Or it can be the reason why you are where you are. You got to learn both. So here's my first point. I got three points. This is my first point. If you're taking notes, thing you got to know about sowing and reaping, I'm going to lay a foundation and then we'll get practical. You will reap what you sow. Somebody say will. I don't make it personal. Someone say I will. Yeah, no way around it. You will reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be deceived. If I was back in New York, I'd say, stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know why he says stop lying to yourself? You know why he says do not be deceived? Listen, because you could be doing bad right now, but getting good results right now. But sooner or later, you will reap what you sow. The bill will come due. And somebody say amen, whoever put anything on credit. (laughs) You can leave with this jet ski right now. For free? I'd just take it right now. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But the bill will come due eventually. Always. This is the devil's oldest trick in the book, guys. When Adam and Eve was at the tree and the snake came out, the snake said, have a piece of fruit. And he was like, nah. God said, if I eat the fruit, I'm going to die. And God said that. And then the snake said, you will not die if you eat the fruit. And so Eve ate the fruit. And the Bible says it tasted good. And her eyes opened. And she felt she gave something to her husband. Here's the question. Did God lie or did God not lie? Did she die when she ate the fruit? Yes or no? Think about it. Because the intention of their creation was to live forever. And so they might not have died right there. But hundreds of years later, that bill came due. And they ended up reaping what they're sowing. I'm trying to tell somebody this is for somebody. There are things that you are doing that taste good right now that are going to kill you later. I was watching this documentary on bodybuilders, this one bodybuilder. He was like the second or first greatest bodybuilder of all time. The dude is ginormous. He looked like Godzilla dressed up as a human for Halloween. All right? He's just big, man. Just big. And, 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 he, and he's jacked. And while the documentary, this is in the 90s. Now I'm watching it now. And while he's talking about all of his trophies, he's telling his story from a wheelchair. And he says, I'm here today because of my use of steroids in the 90s. For a whole decade, winning awards, looking fit. Every time he looked in the mirror, I must be doing the right thing. And now for the rest of his life, the the consequences of his choices. Now, listen, stop asking what does it cost now and start asking what will it cost me later. You need to ask yourself this question. Listen, if you're in your 20s and you're eating whatever you want right now, don't be deceived. (laughs) Don't be deceived. You got a little thing called the metabolism. (laughs) 
And that metabolism doesn't stay fast your whole life. One day you're going to go into the doctor's office, they're going to put the little machine around your arm. Mm, you seem to have high blood pressure. You'll be like, what? I never had high blood pressure. What happened? Well, tell me about your diet, fried chicken. Well, maybe that's what happened. After 20 years, if you got diabetes in your family history, you better watch your sugar intake in your 20s, or you can reap that in your 40s, 50s. To all my teenagers out there who be sneaking out at night when mom and dad don't know. Better watch out. Well, I don't got no consequences. Nobody's coming for me. I'm good. It's not hurting anybody. I'm getting away with it. It's fun. It's good. Mm. Right now you are. But you will reap what you saw. What you're saying, Pastor Jay, you're saying that God's going to give my mom a dream about me sneaking out at night and she's going to wake up with a prophetic voice and call me out. Said, no, no, that's not, he's, that's not how he's going to make you reap what you sow. Here's how he's going to make you reap what you sow. One day you're going to have a kid. And you're going to be, why does he talk back to me? And why does she talk? Because you reap what you sow. <laughs> yeah, all the teenagers repenting right now. <laughs> Mommy, forgive me. Daddy, forgive me. It's going to come back to you. It always does. To anybody, this is no judgment. Listen, to anybody living a promiscuous lifestyle right now, slipping with whoever, whenever, however, that might seem fun right now, but I promise you, you're going to reap what you sow. Yeah, but Pastor JJ, it's all good. We wear condoms. It's protected. Cool. Condoms help you know where the semen goes, but where do the memories go? Who catches that? Because then when you finally do get with the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, one day you're going to be on the way to the movies and a song's going to pop up on the radio and you're going to be transported from where you are to where you were with that person doing that thing while that song was on that's going to prevent you from being intimate now with the person that God's called you to spend the rest of your life with. Because you reap what you sow. Now this is how it, you will reap it no matter what I'm telling you. But God forgave me. Amen. God forgave me too. God forgives me of my sin, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he relieves me of my consequences. Those are different. And the principle works both ways. Now, that's the negative. Let me help you in the positive. Because on the positive, listen, 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 this is going to help somebody. There are some people who are doing the right thing right now and reaping no results right now. But sooner or later. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this, let us not become weary. Don't get tired in doing good. For at the proper time, we will, we will, we will, we will reap a harvest. If what, church? If what, church? If we do not give up. Keep sowing. My kids, man, they got, they got this issue with cleaning up their room. And, and I wouldn't have a problem with the issue that they have if I didn't tell them every morning of their life to clean up their room. And it's not even that I'm upset that they're upset about cleaning their room. I get that. They're a kid. What bothers me is that they're surprised. <laughs> That's why I get frustrated. I, I walk past the bathroom, towels all over the floor. I go, hey, can y'all please clean this up? What? <laughs> Since when? I'm like, well, stop acting like you haven't grown up here. You know the rules. And if you've ever been a parent, you know how it can be like when you tell your kid one thing, one thing, one thing, and one thing. Years, they don't do, they don't change. You wonder, are they even hearing me? 
Are these words landing on anything but air? I thought that. And then, and then my wife sent me this Facebook post from um, we, our neighborhood has a neighborhood, neighborhood Facebook. And, and somebody posted this on the neighborhood Facebook, and she, she showed it to me. It's this lady wrote this story. She said, story time. <laughs> the other day, two young boys knocked at my door, and they wanted to ask if it was okay if they threw some trash from the park that they were playing at in my recyclables. I said yes, and I didn't think of it anymore. The boys asked about my tailless cat, October, who was lazily sunbathing outside, and after a chat, they left. Well, today, I took out my garbage cans and was surprised to see so much trash in my recyclables. Then I remembered the boys and thought, everyone in the neighborhood has to know. To the boys who were dressed up as Harry Potter and Mandalorian the night before for Halloween, that's my boys, thank you for helping to keep our neighborhood beautiful. I didn't see your hard work in the moment. She preaching now. But good deeds rarely go unnoticed for long. To the parents, great job. Now, I didn't get up in the comments and be like, that's us, five, six, one, seven, you know. <laughs> now, we just hearted it, you know, in the comments. We put journeyorl.com. <laughs> you want kids like that? Bring in the J kids, okay? And they'll take care of them. And we didn't do it. But I was so amazed because when I saw it, I go, they were listening. Wow. They, were, they did hear me. My, they do care about cleaning things. Let me help you out. Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds you sow. It doesn't matter if you're not seeing the fruit of your labor. The question is, did you labor that day? Did you put something in the ground that day? Whether it's parenting, whether it's working, whether it's health, whether it's building a business or a career, forget about the fruit and start focusing on the seed because, like verse 9 says, at the proper time. Put it on the screen. Someone say, at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Well, Pastor, I'm living paycheck to paycheck right now. I understand. But if you would just pay a little bit of debt off, right, give God his 10% which belongs to him. Hey, this week you decided to, to not eat out and, and just, you know, make food at home. Guess what? At the proper time, you will experience financial freedom. God promises you. Well, I don't feel much closer to God. I feel like he's far away. But I came to church on Sunday. I read my Bible verse this morning. I'm going to tell you right now, at the proper time, you will experience a spiritual breakthrough in your life. My, my business is at a plateau, and it's not growing right now. But I'm honoring my contracts. I'm paying my taxes. I'm taking good care of my employees. At the proper time, your business will escalate. God will bless you. My marriage feels dead right now, but we went to therapy, went to counseling this month. We prayed for each other. I did, I threw out the trash at the proper time. God is going to restore what, what the enemy took away if you do not give up. Say amen. 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 Here's my second point. I got to go fast. Not only you will reap what you sow. Here's my second point. You will only reap what you sow. Someone say only. When we first bought our house, there was a tree in the back right corner of the yard. Liz thought it was dead because it, it, it had nothing on it. So she paid some people to pull it out. And then our neighbor came over and was like, hey, what happened to your orange tree? She said, what orange tree? 
He said the tree that was in the back right corner of your yard, it had the best oranges in the neighborhood. All the kids would come from all over the neighborhood to eat the orange tree in your backyard. You had the best oranges like in the neighborhood. And she was like, I thought it was dead. Now, that's not my message, but that's a whole nother message. Don't uproot what you think is dead, which is really in off, a se- in off season. But that's not what I'm preaching. <laughs> what I'm preaching is, for whatever reason, the soil in that corner of the yard has the potential to produce the sweetest oranges in the neighborhood. Fast forward eight years, it's 2024, we still don't have an orange tree in that part of the yard. But the soil is perfect. Why? Because she has not planted any seeds. You could be in the perfect environment. Let me make it more real. You can come to a great church and get nothing out of it because you put nothing into it. You can serve a great God and get nothing out of him because you put nothing into him. Don't expect God's provision if you don't live by God's principles. Don't blame God for not producing what you are not planting. You got to put something in the ground, baby, if you want something out. Being around is not enough. It's not enough. Here's the second way that one works. Listen, you also can't expect to get something different than you planted. Let's say Pastor Liz goes, I'm tired of not having no oranges. I'm going to make this right. And she goes into the fridge and grabs a bell pepper. Because all there is. I don't know why we always got bell peppers in our house. She cuts open the bell pepper. She grabs a seed. She puts it down. Three months later, it begins to sprout and out comes the bell pepper. Listen, she's not allowed to look at that bell pepper and be confused. She's not allowed to look at that bell pepper and go, where are my oranges? What you mean, where are your oranges? You planted bell pepper seeds. So you got a bell pepper. If you wanted oranges, should have planted orange seeds. Galatians 6, 8. Whoever sows to please, put it on the screen, their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. What you put in is what you get out. I, I got this, I got this, I was trying to lose weight two years ago. The doctor said I needed to lose 30 pounds. He said I was morbidly obese. That was her words. So I got a weight scale. I stepped on the scale. said 30 pounds. I stepped on the weight scale for a year. Nothing happened. Couldn't lose any weight. It just, it just was not my friend. Then I bought something else. On top of this, I got this. Y'all know what this is? There's a food scale. So I, start, I took it to the next level. People would think I'm weird. We'd go over to their house and be like, you want to, you hungry? He's like, yeah. You want chicken? He's like, yeah. How many pieces? I'm like, let me see. <laughs> Put it on a scale. I need six ounces. People are like, man, you're real extreme. I'm like, I don't think, I don't think I'm extreme. I think I'm just doing math. It's so simple. It hit me. Because what you put in is what you get out. Do you see how that works? And so here's how this works in your life. Habits are the seed for the life you are hoping for. Your habits are the things you put in so you can get the life out that you want. Can I make it more practical? You can't plant complaining 
and expect to reap contentment. I'm not happy. I don't know why I'm not happy. I wake up and I'm sad because everything that's wrong in your life, you talk bad about and you complain about it. You know what you need to do? You need to weigh your words and make sure if you are, the words you're putting out is what you want to put into the ground because that's what's going to come out. Am I helping? You can't plant isolation and expect to reap community. Why, why, why doesn't nobody hang out with me? Because you don't hang out with nobody? <laughs> I was sick for a month and then nobody called me. Where? Who'd you call? <laughs> Journey Church is so big, I feel like I'm getting lost. They just added 200 more seats. Now it's even bigger. Now I'm even lost there. <laughs> what small group are you in? Because wow, right. you can't plant isolation. Then complain that you ain't got no community. Only one thing falls from the sky, rain. Not friends. Not connection. Not community. God plant. You can't plant fear and expect to reap peace. Some of y'all need to put your Twitter feed on the scale. Your TikTok feed on the scale. The news feed on the scale. Because you're wondering why you're afraid. It's because the things that you're letting in, it don't weigh right. It don't weigh right. You can't plant permissible and expect purity. I know, that don't make sense. Let me give you another Bible verse that don't make sense. Paul said, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. There are things that we do in our life that are not evil, but just because they're not evil doesn't mean that they're helpful. So let me give you an example. Just because this is, if there's someone in the room today who maybe struggles with their eyes, you know, looking at people and, and things, and if that's your struggle, following Instagram influencers fit, you know, fit, influencer on, on Instagram. That might, that's not an evil thing. But if, if what you want to produce is purity, maybe I ought to put the accounts that you follow on the scale. The TV shows I watch on the scale. The movies I watch on the scale. The music I listen to on the scale. Because I don't know if the things I'm letting in are putting out what I want to put out. And I know you feel a little bit of conviction there. Let me help you out. God doesn't want us guilty, but he does want us responsible. Let me look into the middle camera. Put the middle camera on real quick. L let me just tell you what I think God's trying to tell you today. It's not that God's trying to make you feel bad. He just wants you to stop blaming everyone else for the seeds you planted and the fruit you're eating. That's all. He just wants you to take responsibility and go, yeah, I shouldn't have planted that. That's it. And here's my last one. This is going to help somebody. You will reap more than you sow. You will reap more than you sow. Bible says, Genesis 26, 12, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Why, Journey Church? Because the Lord blessed him. See, we don't understand this because we don't understand sowing because we're not an agricultural society. You know, if I were to ask how many farmers we have in the church, maybe one. Yeah, maybe we got, I thought somebody, I thought somebody raised their hand but they were just scratching their head. Maybe one. <laughs> maybe one. We got farmers, that's it. But let me teach you something about farming real quick. If I were to cut this apple in half, I'd be able to count the amount of seeds in this apple. Can you count? Come here, my camera. We got one, two, three. We got three seeds. We can always count how many seeds are in an apple. Fun fact, usually two to five in every apple, and the Granny Smiths have more. 
We can always count how many seeds are in an apple. Now, here's my question. Here's my question, you mathematician. Ready? But how many apples are in a seed? Countless. Because a seed can create a tree that can create a tree that can create a tree that can create a tree. And here's why I'm preaching, because a lot of you feel like this seed. My life is small. My talent is insignificant. I can't offer much to God. I don't have a lot to give. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the brightest. I just started coming back to church. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I still got addictions. I still got struggles. I really, my attitude, and I don't, but you keep talking about how small you are, but, but if you grew up in an agricultural world, you would know that even that little bit of you planted in the right place, planted with the right God, planted in the right soil can produce a harvest 100-fold. You got untapped destiny inside of you. You got untapped giftings inside of you. You got ministries inside of you. You got businesses inside of you. You got books and songs and poems inside of you. You got wisdom and counseling all inside of you. If you get in the right soil, God can produce it. God can produce it. God can produce it. Now, listen, this, again, this has a negative and a positive impact. Negative and a positive impact. A lot of, it has a negative first because a lot of people think when they sin, the punishment for their sin should be like about the size of their sin. But remember, you always reap more than you planted. So you can spend one night, got a little tipsy, one night behind the wheel of a car, one night, just one night behind the wheel of a car, a little tipsy, hit somebody and spend the next 30 years in prison. 30 years, one night. Why? Because you always reap more than you sow. Which is why we got to be careful with the little sins, church, because we, we think the little sins aren't a big deal, but little sins birth big destruction. Don't let them in the soil. Don't let the little sins, it's, just, it's not a big deal. I'll, go, I'll just ask God for forgiveness. I'll be good. Little seeds birth big destruction. Don't let the little things in. But it also works for the good. Here's how it works for the good. I want to encourage you. Small acts of obedience lead to big acts of God. You know those five minutes that you wrestled with this morning to pray? Just the five minutes? Like that was everything for you? And, that, and you think, man, those five minutes, they probably didn't do much. I've been there. Five minutes in God's presence can produce 24 hours of peace in your life. Five minutes. We practice tithing here at the church, which is just 10% of our income. A lot of people who live on social security checks here at this church and welfare checks, that's like $100 that they'll put it in the offering plate once a month. Oh, what's the church going to do with it? It's not what the church is going to do with it. We're good. It's about what God is going to do with that little seed. And now he multiplies it in your life and begins to produce and overflow. Because small acts of obedience lead to big acts of God. Do you know the fruit of one random act of kindness for a stranger who was on the way to end their life? And then you met them and did something nice for them, paid for their meal, making them think there's still light in the world, hope in the world. Now their whole life has changed for one seed of an act of kindness. So I want to pray for you today, and I want to pray for three people. And here's my first prayer. Put it on the screen. This is my prayer so you can really know who you are. You need to be honest. This is you. If you say this, I need to be honest about what I want out of life and what I'm putting into it. If you're here today, I want you to take a second, like 15 of them, and evaluate your life right now. Is it everything you want it to be? Are you where you thought you'd be at 50, where you thought you'd be at 40, where you thought you'd be at 30? Is this the life you dreamed of? If so, don't change a thing. Keep the play running. 
But if there's aspects of your life that are not aligned to the dream and the vision that God has given you, can I encourage you to change the input, to change the seed so that you can get a different result? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you would identify, you say, yes, I'm not pleased with the fruit of my life right now. There are things that I need to change, but I'm tired of changing those things, and I want to start changing the seed things. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to start, and then you take it. Father God, I present everyone to you in the room today, everyone in this room, me included, who has things in our life we want to see different. I pray for a Holy Spirit conviction right now to speak to the things, whether it's our health, whether it's our blood sugar level, whether it's our, our mental state, whether it's our relationship, whether it's our sexual life, whatever it is, there's things I want to change, Lord. I pray you speak to them right now and now tell them the things they need to change. Somebody in this room, God's telling you right now, you got to start hanging out with those people. Those people are bad seeds in your life. It's time to cut those out. Somebody else got saying, you need to cut out drinking. It's not sin, but it's not helping you. You need to put the bottle down. It's not going to get you to where you got to go. Change what you're putting in, and you're going to change what's coming out. Others, God's telling you right now, you might need to lay down social media for a season. Why? Because the comparison is stealing your joy. You need to cut what you're putting in so you can change what you're putting out. So right now, in your own personal prayer time, make that declaration. God, give me the wisdom to discover what I need to change, the different seeds I need to sow, and the courage and the discipline to make those changes. Go ahead, pray that prayer. Give me the courage to make those changes. Help me make those changes. Help me make those changes. While you're in that moment with God, I want to have one more prayer. And this is for those who are done just hearing about Jesus and they're ready to sow their life into Jesus. If you're here today over at East Campus Online and you think, I don't think it's a little change. I think it's a whole change. And the whole change is I got to stop being the God of my own life, living life my way, and I got to start living life God's way. I'm ready to give my whole life to Jesus, to throw my body into the, into the quote-unquote the dirt and say, Lord, take me all, all, take me completely. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand in this building at East online. I'm ready to sell my life into Jesus because I think Jesus is the thing I've been missing all over this room on three. One, two, three. Would you raise your right hand right now if that's you? I see so many hands in the room today. I'm ready to throw my whole life into Jesus right now. I need this more than anything. It's not a little change, it's a big change. Congratulations on the best decision you'll ever make in your life. You can put your hand down. I want everyone to pray this prayer whether you raise your hand or not. Father God, come on, say, Father God, today I'm deciding to sow the seed of my life into the soil of your mercy and the soil of your forgiveness and the soil of your grace and the soil of your love, producing me all the fruit you dream for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, give it up for those. Now, nobody leaving. I got, I got one more point of my message I'll say for the end. So hold on. I promise you're going to like this last one. But first, if you made a decision for Christ, I want you to grab the Connect card that is somewhere in the seats in front of you. Pull it out. Put your name. Check the box. I made a decision to follow Christ. Put it in the black box on your way out, and a pastor's going to call you and reach out. Here's the other thing I want you to take home today. It's called a legacy card. It says commitment card on one side. Next Sunday is our legacy offering, and you're going to be given. I want you to pray when you get home. I want you to take a card and pray and ask the Lord. And here's the heart behind this offering, y'all. I promise you, here's the heart. I recently read a story about this country called Tunisia in Africa. Tunisia is the fourth largest olive oil producing country in the world. 
And people have questions because none of the other countries in Africa around it have olive trees. So like, how does Tunisia have so many olive trees that none of the other countries around it? This is what an olive tree looks like, by the way. If you've never seen an olive tree, this is what it looks like. They're beautiful, they're big, they're awesome. How come Tunisia has them all? Well, a couple years ago, they found a tombstone of a man who died 1,500 years ago. And look what the tombstone said in Tunisia. Here's what the man in Tunisia said. The tombstone of the man who died in Tunisia said, Here lies Dion, a pious man. He lived 80 years and planted 4,000 olive trees. Show a farm, an olive tree farm in Tunisia real quickly. The only nation in Africa that have so many because 1,500 years ago, this man planted seed after seed after seed. Now, an olive tree takes 10 to 12 years to produce fruit. So by the time Dion was 60, 70, Dion was living a good life because everything that he planted had bore fruit. Listen, his life was changed during his lifetime. But when Dion died, the seeds that he planted didn't just change his life. The seeds that he planted changed his nation. His entire nation. What I believe about our legacy offering next Sunday, I do believe that if you give, God's going to bless you because the Bible says you reap what you sow. It's not, it's not gift to get. It's just a principle. It's just a law. You're going to reap what you sow. But even on a bigger scale, if we're able to do things like help all those people and purchase this building, we're $15 million away from our goal. We don't have $15 million. But if God says it, He can do it. We trust in Him. Listen, if we can do that together as a church, we're not just planting seeds for our life, but we're planting seeds here in Orlando that when every single one of us are gone, is going to keep bearing oil, keep bearing oil, keep bearing oil in the whole city because this will be a landmark for Jesus Christ even beyond our days to Jesus Christ, Terry. Amen? So let me stand on your feet. Let me pray for you all over our campuses. Stand on your feet. We'll take it back to East Campus right now. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing. I pray for, for the legacy offering, Lord Jesus. I pray for hearts. I pray for a spirit of generosity and giving and sowing seed. I pray for a legacy that goes beyond us, that impacts not just our lives, but this entire nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.